0: Hello, and welcome to the Kingdom Corner Podcast, where you can propel your faith into even deeper levels as we discuss how to live the Kingdom culture on earth as it is in heaven, just as Jesus prayed. Here's your host, the great Matt Guybe. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner Podcast followers. So great to have you here on this spring day in the Pacific Northwest. First, the weather's a bit wild with rain, then the sun comes out, and then it rains again. And uh, it's just so exciting to see God's hand in nature and to see that uh, spring is right around the corner. And we have been going back into the book of Ephesians, back to the beginning. That is where we decided to go a couple weeks ago, to go back in and to just kind of unearth some of the treasures that are in the first chapters of the book. I think when I had started this study back in the summer, we had started out in um, the middle of chapter 3. So now we're going down through chapter 1, and we're just going through these verses, and we're just pulling out the nuggets of truth. And with that in mind, I want to read again from Ephesians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 3 to 12. This is where we have been, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7 In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be To the praise of his glory. That's the reading of the word in Ephesians chapter 1. And it's just so rich. We're going to try to finish through verse 12 today. We're going to back up a little bit. I wrote a statement out as I was meditating on this passage the past few days Ephesians 1 3 to 6. And this will kind of give us a review here. So God decided first to choose us before time even began. It is so incredible to think that this eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful God could see you or I before we were a twinkle, even in our parents' eyes. See Psalm 139. I think we've read that here before. I won't go into it now, but it talks about how we've been knit together in our mother's womb. It's You probably know that scripture. Before we were even a twinkle in our parents' eyes, he thought of us as an actual unique person to see us to our core, to see, perceive who we were to our core as we were in our need and then choose us, uh, choose to begin that, I should say, to construct us into a holy and blameless favored son or daughter of his to be healed and called forth to a meaningful life of purpose. That is to be adopted by his son, Jesus, for the praise and glory of God being transferred, or some versions say translated, to his heavenly realm to live and become a life of eternal blessing to those all around us. Ephesians 1, 3-6. I thought that was a good paraphrase or a good paragraph about what verses 3-6 to 6 were about in Ephesians. And we talked about the last time that he had adopted us to make us both holy and blameless, Holiness means wholeness or to be restored to an original intended functioning. We talked about the first Adam, Adam, how he fell. And then the second Adam, Jesus Christ, came. And because of him, uh, more new Adams, more second Adams could come on the scene because we can be made whole and restored. We talked about being blameless, that that's not sinlessness. But it does mean to be without spot, without rebuke, faultless, unblameable. How is that possible? I cite to you 1 John 1, 9, but we have an advocate with Jesus Christ, you know, that if we sin, we can turn to him and be forgiven our sins. And then we're just as if we'd never sinned, not because we're righteous, but because of the righteousness of Christ. So how is this holiness, this blameless life that is being Constructed inside of the sons and daughters of God. How's that a possible thing? And we talked about a little bit about it last week, and I want to talk more about that before we really get into the rest of the passage through adoption. We have been adopted by Jesus, and we have our family has changed. We have a different family now that we've been adopted into. And I would just say it reminded me, I'm going to go and tell on myself here. In the spring of 1958, April of 1958, I was adopted into the guybe that was my adopted parents' name, household, for $2.50, by the way, if you can believe that. I was adopted. I was two and a half at the time. And I was adopted into their home, and my whole trajectory as a person changed. I think, aside from becoming saved and spirit-filled, that was the one thing that God did in my life that was the one most important thing, other than being created, I'd say first salvation, then baptism of the Holy Spirit, or or first I should say being created by God, second salvation, third baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the next most important thing that is right up there with the rest of them is that God's hand was upon me as a baby, and I was adopted. Do you know, I'm 65 years old or young— And I think it was only two years ago through the genius, you know, uh, what do they call that DNA study of your DNA, ancestry.com, you know, my DNA was on file there. I finally ran into my family, first a nephew of mine and then a brother and a sister, my natural born family that only lived 10 or 15 miles from where I was adopted. They were adopted too. I guess there were five of us. And nobody went into detail, but I did talk to my nephew mostly. He's the one I communicate with mostly. We came out of a pretty poor family, a pretty uh, dysfunctional family. I guess our biological father ran off, and the mother had different kind of mental issues. But, you know, that all changed when my brother and sister and myself, and I think there were two other children. There were five of us. I believe there were two girls and three boys don't know what happened to two of them. I know of a brother and a sister and myself, so I don't know of another sister and brother. But when we are adopted, at least for the three of us, the two that I know of that live back in Ohio, where I'm from, and for myself, our lives really changed. I can tell when I communicate with them. You know, I don't know them real well. We, we haven't gotten real close, even though we're biological, biologically related as brothers and sister. But... uh you know, my life really changed. I was adopted by a PK, a preacher's kid, and that set me on the road, I believe, and my grandfather was a preacher, and he used to sit me on his lap, because he was an itinerant minister by then, and say, you know, this this young man, this young lad, he called me Matty, you know, I believe God has a call on his life to preach. And you know, from that time on, my mom was, we were always in a good, a good fundamental church I probably became born again when I was four or five, but I really remember publicly going forward at a Billy Graham meeting when I was nine years old and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Being adopted into the family of God, being adopted like I'm using the metaphor into my earthly family, completely changed my life. It really did. So we are adopted by Jesus, and we've had a change of family relationship. Let me read you a cross-reference to that. Let me read you a cross-reference to that. It says it quite well when we're talking about adoption. Colossians 1, 12 to 13, and giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Remember last week, we talked about the title was qualification and adoption for a purpose or being qualified and adopted for a purpose. Giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of His holy people In the kingdom of light. We're going to talk more about inheritance today. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. See, my life before, if I'd have stayed in that family, who knows? I would have maybe been in a children's home all my life. Who knows how I would have turned out? But it was like the light was turned on when I was adopted by the Gibes, by Victor and Vera Gibe. In fact, Vera, she's now null, she was remarried. She lives with me now. She's 91. What a woman of God. You know, she loved the Lord. She was raised that way. But we came from darkness into the kingdom of the sunny he loves. And I, I, I'm so thankful to her that she adopted me and my father because it set my life on a different trajectory. And then spiritually speaking, when I came to know Jesus, just like you, I was adopted into another family. OK, Romans eight fifteen says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage unto fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba or Daddy, Father. See how intimate a relationship we can have? We're not in fear of God. He's our Daddy. He's our Father. Yes, if we do wrong, He'll correct us like our earthly fathers, but He loves us. OK, Galatians 4, 5 to redeem those who were under the law. We're talking about the Jewish people and the Gentiles. He redeemed them. You know, Paul was called to the Gentiles to share the, the gospel with them, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. We're not under the law. We can't fulfill the 630 laws of the Talmud, you know, in our own strength. It's only by the Spirit of God, okay? So we were adopted as sons and favored daughters, and favored sons and daughters. So let's go on. I want to paint a picture for you today. I was just thinking about that. This um, portion of Scripture here, like verses 7 to 12, that I want to really try to go through today, encapsulate, and finish for you. Verses 7 to 12 is so beautiful. And what I thought of, here's what I thought of. In my mind, as I prayed about this and meditated and, and was just laying on my bed thinking about this, it's like I was ushered into a room. And I want you to imagine that you are ushered into a room and that you didn't, maybe even a few days prior to that, you didn't know you would be called to this room. And when you got there, it was all about the reading of the will to you. You were included in a will by a very wealthy, prosperous millionaire or billionaire that you didn't even know before that time you were related to, and he had passed away, and now they were reading this will to you of what you would receive because you were his favorite son and daughter, even though maybe not that long ago, prior to that, you didn't know that. We didn't know before we came to Jesus that we were his favorite son and daughter, that we were accepted in the beloved, as it says in the first part of this scriptures in verse 6. Verse 6, he says, we were made accepted in the beloved. We didn't know that, you know? And then, then we came into that. And so we were made, we were adopted by the richest eternal being in all the universe And now there's a reading of the will because the Son has died and redeemed us from sin. So there's a reading of the will that's open to us. And I want you to view today's lesson as a will that is being read to you of what you have now received and inherited. Remember, we're going to talk about that because of God's great love for you. You are included in his will. And let's read this like we were having a will read to us of what we would receive in the Beloved, in Jesus Christ. Okay? I told you about my story about being adopted. Now we're going to read through the will, as it were. Okay? We're going to read through the will. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, to the riches of his grace, to which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 7 and 8, let's stop there. Let's stop there. The first thing he has willed to us is redemption. Redemption literally means deliverance from, uh, liberated from something. A liberation procured by the payment of a ransom. In our case, the ransom that was paid is Jesus paid. uh, He paid a debt he did not owe. He paid for our sins when he died. So he delivered us. You know, we were in the family of the enemy. We were in the family of Satan. He delivered us, okay? And we were translated. I think that verse in Colossians 1 version would say we were translated into the kingdom of light. So we were redeemed. That, that's the reading of the will. We were redeemed. We were brought back. We're now sons of the most high God. And he made, let's read on. He made, what happened next? We were redempted. We were, received redemption or the buying back or deliverance of our souls were released from sin because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, okay, because he died, okay, redemption, we were bought back, that he made abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Let's talk talk about that. He made this redemption, this, this provision abound toward you, means to something that's abounding toward you is something that's super and overabundant. A liberal heaping up of something good again and again. It's like being at the dinner table. And your grandma's cooking you your favorite meal, and she brings you brings you those mashed potatoes and that gravy, and you eat one helping. And she said, "Son, grandson, or granddaughter, you can't just eat one helping. You gotta have more." And she heaps up more potatoes and more uh, chicken, and you eat that, and it's so luscious, and you're getting all filled up. And here she comes a third time. She says, "I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy you're here." Uh, uh, you've got to have more, and she heaps it up again upon you. That's what we're talking about. God, through Jesus Christ, is heaping his abundance, his blessing upon us again and again and again. It never stops. And then the word is used. He made known, he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. It's a very wise plan that God had that when we're talking about his grace. That's what he's abounding toward us. That's what's being heaped upon us again and again is his grace, his unmerited favor, his empowerment upon your life to be able to walk an overcoming son or daughter of God. That's what we're talking about that, that's heaped on you again and again. Uh, through And this came through wisdom and prudence. It was a plan that God put together. It wasn't something flippant that he did. He took time to really conceive it. Prudence means a great thought and planning, intelligence, much intelligence, a far-reaching or far-seeing plan. God looked from the beginning of time because that's what it says in the beginning of chapter one, that he chose us before the foundation of the world. He was planning this all out before, like I said, when I read in the beginning, before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eyes, he was planning it out because he loved you so much. Great thought and planning and intelligence and far-seeing planning was given. There was a wise design running through this whole plan and abounding. There's that word again. In it was an eminent degree of grace. Oh, my. Isn't that powerful? Verse 8. Verse 8. Now let's go on. What else can we read about that's being provided, given to us in this will? Well, the next thing is, having made known, verse 9, to us, this is beautiful, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, verse 9. Now, I've studied this mystery a lot because this is a running theme that Paul talks about in Ephesians. When we get to chapter 3, the first part, I hope to really spend a whole lesson on this And I want to give you some things now, but I don't want to give you the whole piece of it, but mystery of his will, mystery means mysterion, that's the Greek word, which means a shutting up, something that was shut up or concealed or hidden. The uh, Barnes notes, that scholar says literally something one must be initiated in, in before you fully know what it means. Isn't that something to roll around in your heart? This mystery is something that you must be initiated in before you fully know what it means to initiate or to be instructed in. And then anything concealed or hidden, we commonly use this word for to denote something which most often is above our intelligence or comprehension. But that is not what Paul is getting to here in Ephesians. This is not above our comprehension. It's not above our understanding okay? Because God wants to reveal this and open this up to us. Paul was the apostle to the Gentile church to open up this mystery. Uh, See chapter 3. It means, this word mystery or mysterion, it means or can mean some doctrine or fact which has been concealed or hidden which has not been fully revealed or set forth only by figures and symbols. See, the Old Testament was only in type, figure, or symbol, when you read those accounts or stories, they were all pointing, like my grandfather used to say, the new is in the old concealed, and the old is in the new revealed, okay? Moses, the greater Christ. Moses, who lifted his staff up in the wilderness, you know, that's lifting up the cross. There's so many types in the Old Testament. The ark, you know, of the covenant, God's praise. The ark that they hid in from the flood which they were protected from judgment, just like our ark is and of safety is Jesus Christ. There's so many types. When the doctrine is made known, it will be clear and known as anything that's plain, that's made plain. Such was the doctrine God called Gentiles to. It was not fully known till Jesus Christ came, gave his life on the cross, rose from the grave, He took away your sins through his shed blood. And then the mystery was opened up. Paul was uh, called into being the chief apostle to reveal this mystery to the Gentiles. Let's read some cross references here. I've got some more cross references for you. Colossians, this is a beautiful verse 25 through 27. Colossians 1, I'm sorry, 25 through 27. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me. See, this is what I'm telling you about Paul. He was given this ministry to fulfill the word of God. That is the mysterion or mystery, which has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. God wanted to make it known. Among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Cross-reference there would be the very chapter or the very book we're in, Ephesians 3, 3, which when we get to Ephesians 3, the first few verses, we're going to open this up more. Another scripture you can read all through First Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says, I didn't come to you with excellence of speech in First Corinthians 2, but with the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. See, he's defending himself as an apostle to the Corinthian church. There were a lot of problems there. And he was like, he didn't really want to do it, but he knew he had to really put forth his proof as an apostle so he could teach them, so that he could instruct them. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mysterion, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For they had known, if they had known, they would not crucify the Lord of glory. So he's telling them that he has been on a mission to reveal this, this mystery. But as it is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. So God was revealing this mystery by his Spirit. That's what we're talking about. For what man knows the things of God, knows the things of man, except the Spirit of man which is in him. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we, let's see, I've got to get to the next page. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things, and he's talking about the mystery, which have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words with man's wisdom, but which the Holy Spirit teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I'm in 1 Corinthians 2.13. And then I'm jumping to 15. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of Christ of the Lord? I'm sorry, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. See, we have the Spirit of God that searches all these mysterions and opens up the truth of the gospel. And you know, the truth of the gospel goes on and on. It's a deeper revelation all the time. Proverbs 25, 2 said, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. That was a mysterion of the gospel, but the glory of the kings is to search it out. We're searching that out. In this podcast, what is that great mysterion that Paul sold his whole life to to search out and find out what it meant that Paul gave himself to? What is that? We want to find out more about it. Okay, so let's go on. We talked about the mystery. So he's given us redemption, he's opened to us the mystery of his will. The will, we're reading the will today, right? This mystery is made known in conversion. Again, I point you to the first part of the meaning. literally something one must be initiated in before they can fully understand it or know what it means. You have to be converted. It's a spiritual thing. You have to be initiated in the things of God, in the heart of God to really begin to understand those things. You know that you can amass all kinds, and I did it for years, I'm just going to preach on here. I did it for years. I, I filled my head and heart full of a lot of the knowledge of the Word of God. I knew the Word of God backward and forward in a way. I had a lot of scriptures memorized. And yes, I was a Christian. But you know, when your heart's really not connected to God, all that Bible knowledge is worthless unless transformation is happening. Unless you're growing closer to Christ. You know, it was either Lenin or Stalin, who as a boy, I think I've shared it here on the podcast before, went to Bible camps as a young lad in the summer, and he always would win these prizes for the most passages memorized. And yet, where did that get them? Stalin or Lenin? I have to look that up, which one it was. But they were both evil and cruel men when they were adults. It didn't mean a thing because it it didn't go 18 inches from their head to their heart, did it not? The mystery made known is only made known in conversion or initiation. Then the road was made clear to fully see. Once you have that initiation, once you know, the road is made clear to see what the will of God is. That's what the reading of the will is today. I'm reading the will of God to you so you might know. You might know that you know what God's purpose is for your life. You know, we each have a purpose and a calling. I get so excited about that. Let's go on. In verse 9, it talks about he purposed in himself. This was done. This was purposed in him. He wanted to do it out of love for you so we could be here today reading this will. So let's read this scripture, 2 Timothy 1, 9-11. Who saved us and called us. See, Jesus saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. See, holy. Remember, that means being set apart, and it means also being restored to your original purpose. We talked about that last week. Saved us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. We've been talking about that. You know, prudence, the far-reaching, seeing knowledge that God looked—he saved us. God saved us by the sacrifice of Jesus and had this plan— that he looked down through the ages, you know, before you, like I said, were even a twinkle in your mom and dad's eyes, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our, see, it's been revealed because our savior, Jesus Christ has appeared. He's abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I, that's Paul talking, was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. There it is, beautiful passage. Talks about Paul's apostleship and his calling as a minister, to reveal this great mystery, this great mysterion. Let's go on. Let's finish this up. He purposed in himself. Okay? Beautiful, beautiful passage. Let's see where we're at here. Okay. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in the heaven and which are on earth in him this is the fullness of time. He's gathering us all together to read the will, to tell us of the great blessings. Remember, in the first part there, in verse 3, I believe it is, we talked about a couple sessions ago that we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. That's what we're talking about. In that dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on the earth. Let's talk about the dispensation of time for a few minutes here. We're going past 30 minutes, but that's okay. I want to get through these scriptures today. We're on verse 10 here of Ephesians 1. Means The dispensation means the management of household affairs. That is a stewardship, administration, or arrangement of things or of a scheme or plan. This means that God's plan was formed In order and unto the end, that the full arrangement of the time or the arrangements that complete the filling up of time. In other words, he was arranging all things for this one grand thing to happen down in the end of time. And first thing that started off was the sacrifice of his son Jesus on the cross. God might gather together in one all things because of this. Tyndale puts it this way to have it declared when the time was fully come, to have it declared. So they're declaring, they're opening up this mystery to declare, this is the fullness of time. And I was thinking about this. Well, you might say, well, does that mean it's right here and now? It's right today that this is all going to be wrapped up? That all the earth is going to, you know, we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is going to come again. I can't really tell you. But I know that in Peter, it says a day is like a thousand years. is like a day to the Lord. So, the way we look at time, the way he does is different. In fact, he's not looking in our linear time. He already sees this as having been done and settled. This is the fullness of time. Remember the uh, tribe of Issachar, those men, they had the wisdom to know the seasons and times of what Israel, what the people of God should do. We, as the saints that are opening up the Mysterion to other believers and to those that don't yet know Jesus Christ, who have not yet been initiated, you know, it's up to us to open it up to them and it's up to us to explain the seasons and the time. I believe it's getting closer and closer to the wrap-up of the ages, my friend, to have it declared when the time was fully come. Yes, the time is fully come. Might not be an hour, two hours, might not even be 30 days. It might be 10 or 20 years. But like I said, a day or a thousand years to the Lord is like a day. And I, in my heart, though, I believe it's not too far off, my friend. Could it go another, this creation, before we're united together with the Lord for all eternity, if we live that long? You know, if I live that long, could it go? You know, another 50 years? I'm very doubtful of that. But it, I don't have any thus saith the Lord word on that, but that's the case. Dispensation of the fullness of time. Meaning when all things shall be to gather together in the Redeemer. See, we have the Redeemer. He's already died on the cross and rose again, and he will come back again, and it will all be gathered together in him at the winding up of human affairs or consummation of all things. That's what the fullness of time talks about. So, we start all things prior or aiming or pointing to the foundation of the world when he's set this creation and the creation of man, when he set that in place, clear down to Christ's sacrifice, and then when he would come again the second time at the second coming. Gather together all in one, verse 10, we're still in verse 10, that the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather, see the whole purpose here, to gather together in one. You have to go listen to my episodes, I believe it's chapter four, where we talk about unity. We're talking about oneness. He's got, he wants to make bring everybody together in oneness. And that's what, you know, the Antichrist wants to do too, but that's a false oneness. This is true oneness in God, true unity in God. Literally means to sum up or recapitulate, you know, to encapsulate, to wrap up as an orator would do at the end of his discourse. He wants to wrap it all up, you know, at the end of time. You know, when Jesus comes again, verse 11 and then and 12, and we'll be done. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. See the reading of the will here. We've obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We have obtained, that is to acquire, literally means to acquire by lot and then to obtain and receive an inheritance. Receive favor to the point of where we're made, where God will brag on us because we are his favored sons and daughters. We are his favored bride. He will brag on us. We've obtained an inheritance in the Lord. See all these things, and I'm going to wrap it up here. All these things in the reading of the will, we're in that study room, we're in that office, and the Father sat down and he's reading us the will, okay? He's reading us his will. That we've been redeemed by the blood of His dear Son, and our sins have been forgiven. We've been like we talked about last week. He's creating us to be holy and blameless for a purpose. We, he's making known to us the mystery of His will. We've been initiated into that. Huh, we understand. We start to have some understanding of that because we've received Jesus Christ, and the veil has come off of our eyes, and we know what we're beginning to know what that means. And because of his good pleasure to do that, because he loved us so much. So that's the next thing. That the fullness of times have come, that he might gather us together as one. That's what is happening. That's what he's willed for us. And then that we've obtained an inheritance. He's given us an inheritance, which is him, the riches of his glory. You And that's what we've talked about today, that we who have trusted first in Christ— should be to the praise of His glory. What is the will that He's reading to us that we're going to be the accepted and the beloved, as it says in the first part of Ephesians here in verse 6, that we're going to be His bride, that we're going to be to the praise of His glory, right? That He's he's going to, we're going to be magnified alongside the Son. You know, that is the reading of the will today. He's reading the will to you. You are an adopted son. You're in a new trajectory. You're in a new family. He's giving you blessings in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You've been accepted in the beloved. You've been redeemed by his blood and the forgiveness of sin. And if you stumble and fall in sin, you can have an advocate with Jesus and get right back up again, be forgiven. He's making known to us the mystery of his will. Wow. Layer upon layer, it's just being peeled back. There's more and more to know. And I think throughout eternity, we're going to learn more and more of it. And He's gathering us together as one, making us one in the fullness of time. And we've obtained an inheritance in Him. Thank you, my friend, for coming today to listen to the Kingdom Corner podcast. Be blessed as you meditate upon this word and be blessed in the days ahead. Until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for another great discussion on The Kingdom Corner, hosted by Matt Guide. Remember to click the subscribe button so you can be notified of each new episode as it's released. To enjoy an even deeper dive into God's Word, check out Matt's new devotional book, Searching for Significance, a devotional journey through the Book of Ecclesiastes. Learn more and even hear from Matt himself on the devotional website, significanceacademy.com. As always, thank you for being a part of the Kingdom Corner.